The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, February 29th. Yes, that is correct. February 29th. It is a leap day. It's an extra day of February, so I hope you all are taking advantage of that one way or the other. Overcast, chilly outside today. It got that way yesterday after a little bit of weather rolled through, and uh, man, I'll tell you what, it is chilly, and I like it. This is February weather, man. This is what I was built for. Hope you're all doing well. Great show on tap for you today. It's a Thursday. It's busy. We've got Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. That'll be with us coming up at 2.30. We'll have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He'll be with us coming up at 3.30. We have a great basketball game to talk about tomorrow or talk about from yesterday, I should say. Talk about from last night. Um, I know Auburn fell short. I know Auburn didn't pull it off, but it was still a good game, and I think there's a lot of good things to take away from it. We'll talk about that. What else happened around college basketball, the SEC last night as well. And then whatever you want to talk about, Hugh Freeze had his uh, spring opening press conference today, so lots to get to with that as well busy show again got a lot to get to I want you to be a part of it though 334-321-1390 that's the number to get you through to me anything on your mind let's talk about that game last night shall we let's talk about what happened in Knoxville I want your thoughts I want your opinion your takeaway from the game last night between Auburn and Tennessee are you disappointed because Auburn didn't win was that kind of what you were expecting last night? Are you kind of like, well, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I thought that was going to go? Or did you walk away feeling okay about this Auburn team from last night? Because I'll tell you where I stand. I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay with what happened and how it went down last night. And I was on Doug's show earlier today on the Max Roundtable. I'm on with him on Thursdays at 11.15. And we started talking about this game from last night where Auburn went on the road to Knoxville as the number 11 team in the country, and they took on the number four team in the country. I think it's important that we remember that factor here. We have to remember and remind ourselves of that. They are the number four ranked team in the country, Tennessee is. And you know what? They played like it last night. They played a good game inside their home arena, packed out, they were saying it's the most attended game inside the building since they did some renovations. So, yeah, people showed up to watch Auburn play. And Auburn showed up and played last night. Did they win the game? No. But they played really well. And you know what? I think they played well enough to win the game. I believe that. I think Auburn played one of their better games last night on the road this season. 
I think you could say the Georgia game was probably the best they've played on the road. I think you could say, sure, the Vanderbilt game if you want to. And then you've got the Ole Miss game in the second half against Alabama. But last night, Auburn played a good enough game to win on the road against a top five team. Did they play perfect? No, not by any means. And there's definitely things to clean up. There's things, there were trends that have continued through this team, and there's some things that kind of showed up last night. But overall, we can't be upset about this. And I know that's crazy because we're very reactionary in today's world. Fans are reactionary. Media is reactionary. Radio personalities like myself are very reactionary in situations like this. If Auburn had gone up and gotten blown out by 20 or 30 last night, then we'd be having a different conversation. We'd be having a different conversation about, oh, there we go again, same old Auburn, typical old Auburn, go up on the road against a good team and get run out of the gym. But that's not what happened here. Auburn went on the road and was beating that top five team in the second half by numerous possessions. And... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tennessee beat Auburn. I think Dalton Connect beat Auburn. I think you let a guy go off for 39 points last night who took over the game and won his team the basketball game. They won that contest because of Dalton Connect. And that's not a, an excuse. That's not an out for Auburn, for us, for Auburn people. That's just a cold, hard fact. You let a guy who is more than likely going to be the SEC player of the year, you let him come in and you shut him down for a while. And then all of a sudden, you allow Tennessee to just, I don't know, remember that they have a Dalton Connect on their team. You ever seen Avengers? Where Iron Man walks out and says, yeah, we have a Hulk. Yeah, Tennessee's got a Dalton Connect. A guy that can go off for 39 points on any given night. And you let him get hot in his own gym. He did that against one of the best defensive teams in the SEC. Auburn's a good team. Auburn's a good defensive team. But they did not defend him correctly last night. And I want to get into that as we go along today. Again, give me your thoughts. 334-321-1390. You start breaking down some of the stats and the box score here. On the Auburn side of things... Look, I said this earlier on Doug's show. Janai's going to get his. Janai Broom is going to get his. He had 23 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists as a big man. One of those was so pretty, getting in the lane and just jumping and whipping it to the corner. That's, that's NBA-level stuff right there. And he shot 9 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. 3 of 7 from the free throw line, not great. Still struggling as of late there. You had Chad Baker-Mazzara who had 13 points for you, didn't shoot the ball well, and I was afraid of that. I was afraid of of Chad Baker, and I said this on the show yesterday. I was afraid of him coming off that Georgia game and struggling and forcing the ball and taking shots that he shouldn't be taking. And you know what? I'm not saying he did that because I don't fully think he did. I just don't think he made his shots last night. He made a couple. He went 2 of 4 from downtown, 5 of 6 at the line. The broadcast on television, I was going back and forth between that and Andy Burcham. 
they kept Mr. Tom Hart kept talking about Chad Baker Mazar's free throw shooting streak. And as a broadcaster myself, I, I'm the worst at broadcaster jinx. And they were begging for him to miss that free throw. He had 13 points, three assists, three steals. He did have four turnovers. And so did Chaney Johnson, which is not something normal for those guys. But I think they had more turnovers because they had the ball in their hands more. And that that may sound stupid, but that's how you break it down. Auburn is going to them more. They just didn't produce last night like we've seen in the past. Chaney having just five points on two of four shooting and one of three from the free throw line. You got 11 points from Denver Jones. Not bad. That's exactly what you want from him. You got exactly what you needed. You'd like to see a couple of more assists. He didn't have any. But 11 points on three of four shooting, no turnovers, four of four at the line. Sure, talk to me, give it to me. That's fine. The problem was Aiden Holloway again. Aiden Holloway went back to old Aiden Holloway. Hit just one three, had five points, had a couple of assists, and just the one turnover. But you didn't get the offensive production that you needed out of those guards. And then off the bench, I was shocked. I was shocked, but Jalen Williams played last night, and I told you yesterday I didn't want him playing. I didn't think he should play. I didn't think it was worth it. Beating Tennessee, to me, was not worth playing Jalen Williams. Having a chance at the SEC regular season title was not worth it to play Jalen Williams, in my opinion. It just wasn't, but he did play, played 21 minutes. Had 12 points, 4 of 9 from the floor. Hit 1-3, he was 1 for 4. Had some rebounds, had a few assists, didn't turn it over. He played fine. Jalen played fine. And as far as we know, he didn't do anything, didn't re-aggravate anything. So I guess no harm, no foul. You had KD Johnson with 10. You had Leor Berman with 5, believe it or not. Had a, had a, a nice play on his 2-point basket. And then buried a three from the right wing. And it looked pretty good. And it was a big shot at the time. And so, shout out to Leor for that. But the problem wasn't on offense. Auburn scored 84 points on the road. That's good enough to win in this league. That's good enough to win on this league. It's the fact that you gave up 14 points to Adu. You gave 17 points up to Ziegler. And you gave up 39 points to Dalton Connect. Who shot 12 of 21 from the floor. 5 of 8 from downtown, 10 of 12 from the free throw line, and Auburn had no answer. Auburn had no answer on the offensive end, and Auburn had no answer on the defensive end. Tennessee remembered they had him, and they went to him every single time. And Auburn couldn't stop it. Auburn went to zone, he beat it. Auburn went to man and started switching on screens, they beat it, and beat it bad. And they figured out, for whatever reason... Hey, let's let's switch on our screens. And I know they're about to set a high ball screen and get Janai Broom on Dalton Connect, but let's just try it and see what happens. Bang. Buried it. Well, that didn't work. Hey, let's try and do that again just to see. Bang. Nailed it again. And then you let him drive through the lane. You let him slam it on you. You let him get the crowd fired up. You've got to find a way to stop that guy. Not even stop him, just slow him down. And that's what I said on the show yesterday. You're not going to stop a guy like that. It's impossible. 
He's too good. But for so long, you had him in check. For so long, you had done your job. And I know that players like him that have that mentality, that that have that urge, they're eventually going to come out of their shell. They're eventually going to do something like this. But there was one guy that couldn't beat you last night and you let him beat you. That's upsetting. That's upsetting. And look, if Dalton Connect doesn't exist, Auburn wins this game by 20. Auburn would have ran out of the gym. They would have run Tennessee out of their own gym. But the fact of the matter is, he does exist. And Auburn just didn't have an answer. And when you give up 92 points to a team at home, yeah, you're asking for a loss. You're absolutely asking for a loss. Auburn shot 46% from the floor. That's good enough to win. Auburn shot 41% from three. That's good enough to win. Auburn shot 75% from the free throw line. That's good enough to win. Auburn got out-rebounded by seven. That's not okay. Auburn had 20 assists on 27 made baskets. That's impressive. That's really impressive. But here's another big problem. Auburn had 16 turnovers on the road. You're asking to lose in that situation. You're asking to lose to a top five team in the country. But my question to you, my question to you, the listener, the Auburn fan, how do you feel after last night? Do you feel okay about this team? Are you worried about this team? Are you confident in this team because of how they played? Because I've said it numerous times, and I'm going to tell you again before we get to break, Auburn played good enough to win last night. They just couldn't pull it out. This is the first time Auburn has played a single-digit game in the SEC since the Mississippi State road trip. Think about that. Auburn has not had this type of game, and no, they didn't win it. No, they didn't win it, but they were in it. They had a chance, and they fought for 40 minutes. I think that's all you can ask for. I think if that game's played on neutral site, it comes down to the final shots. And I think if that game's played in Neville Arena, Auburn wins. So, all in all, I know it's a loss and I know it hurts and I know the the SEC regular season championship's no longer a thing, but I don't know. I never feel good after a loss, but I don't feel as bad as I did after the Kentucky loss or after the Florida loss, or after the Mississippi State and Alabama losses. I think I'm kind of okay in accepting this one for what it is. I want to give you. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. We're heading to our first break. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. We'll keep talking about this game, what else happened around the country in college basketball, and then Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joins us at 2.30. That's all coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067-334-321-1390. And John and Auburn, you're on the line, man. What you think about last night? I tell you what, Jacob, I was I'm I'm with you on that one. I mean I don't know how many times I've been less disappointed in an Auburn basketball loss. 
especially a game of that significance. I thought Auburn really played a very quality basketball game at a very difficult venue. I mean, that's over twice the size of, of Neville. Mm-hmm. I thought the team looked pretty good. Uh, I did have, and you mentioned this a little bit in your, in your open, uh, you know, one thing that stood out to me is in the second half, yes, Connect caught fire. Yes, you know, probably going to a zone wasn't the smartest thing in the world. But a lot of Auburn's offensive sets there from about the 12-minute mark to the 6-minute mark, Aiden Holloway was in the game. And it seemed like a lot of the, the possession, once it got in the front court, was trying to use high pick and roll, things like that, to get Aiden Holloway loose and open for a shot mm-hmm. or a pass. And he could not get away from Ziegler. Yeah. Yeah, no, Ziegler, Ziegler's great. He in that game. Ziegler's incredible. So, but but here, here's the question I have for you, kind of big picture. Okay. Would you rather have an Auburn team going into this tournament, that's NCAA tournament, that is balanced, or would you rather have a Tennessee team that is incumbent upon uh, Connect? Because to me, last night watching and watching that game, when Connect was out, that team had very little offensive rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because the NCAA tournament is so it's so streaky, right? I mean, it's so streaky, and, and a lot of times the teams like Auburn, who are balanced, don't always win out because you just go up against a team like Tennessee that's got a Dalton Connect, and they win a game because of a guy like that. But the teams that are built like Auburn, I look at UConn, for example. Uh, a team like right. UConn, who is balanced and has numerous guys, they are built to win a championship versus Tennessee, who I think is built to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. And those kind of get mixed and they kind of get confused. So, look, I think Auburn has a better chance to go farther in the tournament. But, yeah, Tennessee, they're not going to jump up and get anybody because they're such a great team. But, yeah, I think they're very more susceptible to, to, to losing because, yeah, if somebody finds out a way to shut down Dalton Connect or if he gets in foul trouble or, God forbid, he get hurt, right, Tennessee's in trouble. Yeah. They are. And, I mean, even Vescovy, who's a veteran, Vescovy was a no-show last night. Mm-hmm. You better believe it. And, uh, and, and yeah, just, just, just had that comment on the game. I really think, I really think now for Auburn, I think Saturday's the, the most difficult game of the three remaining. I'll, I'll tell you this. Everybody keeps chalking Missouri up as a win last night. Missouri very sneakily is playing good ball. They lost a single digit game in Gainesville this, uh, last night. So, you know, it, it's not as easy as, as it looks with those three remaining SEC games. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And look, it's a road game in the SEC, which is never easy. And I'll be completely honest, I am shocked that we are to this point in the season and Missouri still doesn't have that SEC win. I mean, they they are a better team than their record shows. I'm not going to say they're a good team, John, but they're better than that winless record in the SEC. Completely agree. Completely agree. Enjoy the show. Take care. Thanks so much, John. Great to hear from you. 334 334- 321-1390 phone line still open here for the next uh, six or seven minutes, I guess, and you can become a part of it, 334-321-1390. Yeah, with, with what John was saying there, look, Auburn didn't win last night, okay? They didn't. But as I was saying, they played well enough to win. And when it comes to the incident, well, shoot, you can start with the SEC tournament if you want. Start with the SEC tournament, And then 
with the NCAA tournament. And I think they're similar, but they're not. And the reason I say that is because the SEC tournament, Tennessee is built perfectly. Alabama is built perfectly to win the SEC tournament. Why? Because they're streaky, hot shooting teams. Alabama put up 100 points on the road again last night. Tennessee, you just saw Dalton Connect go off for 39 and become a man all by himself and, and carry a team alone. Those teams are built to win in a small tournament setting. And the SEC tournament is no more than, what, five days? And Alabama and Tennessee only have to play a max of three games. They'll play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if they keep winning. And yeah, all it takes is for one of those guys to get hot. Either the Alabama team or Dalton Connect. And they can probably win the SEC tournament. But once they get to the NCAA tournament, I'm not saying they can't win games, and I'm not saying they can't make a run. But as John brought up, what happens when Alabama goes cold? Doug and I talked about this today. Alabama's a terrible defensive team. They're terrible. What happens when they can't make a shot in an arena they've never played in? What happens when they go up against a team that has a little bit of defense and a team that can also score? What happens when they go up against the Kentuckys of the world who just dropped almost 120 points on them over the, over the weekend? That's why Alabama is on the chopping block to lose games early in the NCAA tournament. Same thing with Tennessee. Their offense was nothing without Dalton Connect last night. It was stale. It was as boring as a box. Just nothing happening. And then he came in and took over and did what great players do. So as I said to John, what happens if he can't shoot? What happens if they lock him down? I liked what Auburn started doing last night. They started throwing a double team at him. They said, to heck with this. We'll double team you and make somebody else beat us. And Tennessee struggled to do that for the most part. And then you got situations where you throw it up from half court, banks off the top of it, and Auburn just watches it fall. And who's there? Vescovy. Of course. So plays like that can't happen on the road. But if a team finds a way to slow him down enough in the NCAA tournament, I'm talking about Dalton Connect, yeah, Tennessee is going to lose and lose early. But if he can stay playing well and teams can't compete with him, Tennessee can make a run too. And I know we like to joke about the Rick Barnes history at Tennessee and how they always... You know, they always fall on their face when the NCAA tournament comes around, but you can't bank on that every year. Same thing with Nate Oates and Alabama. They've made runs, but they've made runs because they shoot the ball really well. They've done that his entire time there. I just don't think teams are built to win championships that way with the way that the NCAA tournament is put together. It's tough to do that. You're winning six games in a row stretched across a three-week period, it's hard to stay hot for that long. So a team like Auburn that can get hot has not been hot for numerous games in a row, I don't think, this year, but can find other ways to score when they really set their mind to it and they can most of the time play good defense and have numerous options to go to. Yeah, I do think Auburn is built to win a championship better than those other two squads. Maybe not showing it right now in the 
SEC regular season standings, but the depth that we've talked about all season and the emergence, hopefully, more consistently of Chad Baker-Mazzara and Chaney Johnson, along with a Jalen Williams who is working himself back into the rotation, back into playing shape. Yeah, all of those things are good for Auburn. All of those things are what will help this team be a really hard out in the NCAA tournament. Tennessee was not going to beat Auburn last night if Connect doesn't go off. And they still almost didn't do it. They still had to fight 40 minutes to shove Auburn away. That's a good sign. And Auburn fans should take that and run with that down the stretch. Because if this team continues to play that way, yeah, they've got a great chance to make a run in Nashville and more importantly, make a run in the NCAA tournament. Coming up, Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network will join us. Believe he's at Neville Arena. We'll talk to him from there, get updates on everything going on around Auburn Athletics. Tiger Talk tonight, softball, baseball, basketball, football, everything. We'll talk to Brad Law when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. And we get to the phone lines as we welcome in our usual Thursday 2.30 guest. It is Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Brad, great to hear from you on a chilly Thursday afternoon. Yes, sir. I just walked outside Neville Arena uh, thinking I'd do the interview out there and uh, immediately turn around and walk back inside. I think I'm going to do it from the warmth of the arena. Uh, I don't blame you. Instead, so, yeah. Yeah, well, it it is. It's so chilly outside. It's a it's a it's the last day of February, but it is uh, it does it definitely feels like it outside. And so many things going on right now around Auburn athletics. You've got uh, women's basketball tonight, Tiger Talk tonight, basketball going on this weekend. Uh, you've got baseball this weekend, softball. I mean, it's just it's that time of year, Brad, where there's just everything with crossover season happening. Yeah, late February, early March is is the peak of of that in terms of the volume of events on the calendar. And these sports are doing well. There's there's something on the line for these teams uh, in all of these compelling weekend matchups. And that's the fun part. Like, it's one thing to have all these games. It's another thing to have all these games mean something. And uh, they do. And starting with women's basketball tonight against Mississippi State, Auburn is, is a bubble team. And uh, if they could win tonight, they'd go a long way to possibly securing their first uh, spot in an NCAA tournament in five years. So that'd be uh, that'd be huge. So, like I say, it's one thing to have games; it's another thing to have them mean something. And and uh, right now, they mean something. Well, that game tonight will definitely mean something. Auburn and Mississippi State, you can find that radio broadcast over on AU100. That's 100.3. Our good friend Britt Bowen will be on the call. And as you said, Auburn is is a bubble team. They are hovering around last four in, first four out right now. So a win tonight at home would be huge for the Lady Tigers. Another game that meant a lot last night was the game that happened up in Knoxville when Bruce Pearl and the men went up and uh, lost a tough one to Tennessee on the road last night. What did you see from the Tigers? Well, I saw a lot of fight. I saw a team that um, played well on the road in one of the you know top two or three 
road environments on the schedule. Um, I saw a team that really only, well, I mean, you can chalk it up to a couple of things, right? Like the SEC player of the year had his career game. And if that doesn't happen, Auburn wins. Uh, if you cut down the turnovers by two and make two more free throws, right? Auburn may win the ball game. It, what it does is it, it uh, kind of limits your uh, SEC championship possibilities. You can still share it. There is like a, there's a plausible scenario where Auburn can still share the SEC regular season championship. Uh, beyond that, though, I think it, gives, it should give you a lot of confidence about the team going into March um, because you know, you've got one true road game left this year, and that's Columbia-Missouri. And with all due respect to Mizzou, they haven't won a conference game this year, so that shouldn't be as rowdy an environment as what you face. Everything else is either a home game or a neutral site game. And an effort anywhere in the neighborhood of what Auburn got last night, uh, what Auburn did in Tuscaloosa earlier this year, like you can point to a number of road games. Uh, At Ole Miss is another example where if you get that kind of effort, if you get anywhere near that type of performance on a neutral floor, you're going to be in it with anybody, any seed, any venue, you know, any round of any tournament. Um, and you're going to give yourself a chance with, with that kind of performance. So I think that's my main takeaway is you can be kind of bitter about not uh, having as good a chance to win the regular season championship now and it not being in your control at all, um, but also pretty dang excited about what the team might do as they get into to March in these neutral site games. Well, what I've been saying today, Brad, is it's really hard to be disappointed or upset with how the team played and the fact that Auburn lost on the road to a top five team in the country. I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's, you're not supposed to win those types of games, Brad, and yet Auburn did just about everything they could to try and win it. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, you had a chance. Right. No, they weren't, we, Auburn wasn't favored last night and uh, Tennessee has blown a bunch of teams out playing games in Knoxville and you had a chance. Now, again, that does make it a little more bitter because you had the opportunity. And if you have two fewer turnovers, make a couple of more free throws in the game, you're there. You had an eight-point lead in that environment over the number four team with 12 or 13 minutes to go in the game. So, again, you can choose to fixate on that, and it's valid. It's valid. I won't say that that's not valid. Um, it is absolutely disappointing to not control your own destiny when it comes to a regular season championship. That's a goal. That's an important goal. But, yes, you can also choose to say, and also, man, the way they played uh, is, is inspiring if they can give you the same type of, of, of effort down the road. Going into the game last night in Knoxville, there was a lot of debate, a lot of, of questioning on whether Jalen Williams would play or not. He did end up playing and, re- and, and recorded 21 minutes, had a good stat line as well, and just the risk of re-injury. Your thoughts on him playing last night and kind of what he brought to the team and what he has moving forward? I didn't think there was any controversy or drama to it whatsoever. If he had not been ready to go, if there had been any risk of re-injury, and that's the phrase that stuck out, uh, I thought last night was risk of re-injury. If there's a risk, then he's not cleared, and he doesn't play at all. And if there is no risk of re-injury, then it's just a matter of conditioning and how many minutes can he give you after you know being out for a week and a half. So I really thought it boiled down to that. It was as simple as that. And the fact that he played at all, whether it's two minutes or 22 minutes, if he plays, 
then equal sign, he's good, no risk of re-injury. And uh, that was a great, great thing to see him play, be effective. He hit either his first or second shot. Um, he defended well. He was Jalen Williams. He wasn't 90% of Jalen Williams or 80%. He was Jalen Williams. And that is just, again, massive for this team as we come down the stretch. Yeah, I like the way you put that, where, I mean, Auburn and the training staff and everybody involved, they're not going to play somebody if he is at yeah. a risk of injury. I think that's a really yeah. it's a different perspective, but the right way to look at it. And, and you know, you work him back into the rotation. He didn't play 35 minutes last night or anything. Yeah. And, and I think no, you'll but, but you know, uh, right, but he also didn't play 35 minutes a month ago right. in games. Right. I mean, it's just not – guys aren't doing that regularly in this lineup, and we've talked about that all year long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a strength of this team. And so since you have mm-hmm. so many other guys like Chad Baker-Mazzara, Chaney Johnson, other guys that can step up when Jalen is still working back in, you don't have to go, okay, you're welcome back, we need you to go all out. No, exactly. And, you know, you saw that in the Georgia game. Those guys were able to, to do a little more of the heavy lifting. And, um, you know, and you ask Chad to Chad Baker-Mazar to play some extended minutes, even with Jalen being back out there last night. And I do think you'll see a little more of that as we get into March. Typically, those rotations are uh, shortened or, or your bench is shortened a little bit. And that's fine. But having not had to do that until this point, when other teams have been doing it all year long, is a is a major advantage, I think, going into the tournament. Speaking with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network with us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I've said this today, I said it yesterday too, there's no stopping a player like Dalton Connect, but how can yeah. Auburn moving forward avoid another situation where you let somebody go off for 39 and really single-handedly beat you down the stretch? I don't know. I mean, that that's not typical. That's, that's atypical. Um, how do you... Uh, that's a great question. I don't know um, if guys had done that against Auburn all season long, then I think it's a product of Auburn's defense. Mm-hmm. But man, every now and then you just look at a player and go, well, that's your SEC player of the year. And in one of their two most important games of the season to this point, because I think Saturday is, is now the de facto most important game for Tennessee. But if they hadn't won last night, it wouldn't have been um, in the most important game for them up to that point. There was no secret what their game plan was. He just, I mean, he's been scoring 30-plus points a good chunk of the year. And last night they gave him the ball. They cleared the floor and and just said, hey, big boy, do what you want. And he did. And when that happens, and it's as much of an outlier against Auburn, like it's happened far more frequently for Dalton Connect than it's happened against Auburn this year, then it's a function of him. And you like that's like saying you know you're running the big bird and you go how do you stop yourself from coming in contact with eight foot yellow birds like <laughs> well I, I mean do you really stop yourself like that's who he exactly. is yeah and I I don't think it's necessarily a function of poor defense by Auburn I think he just sewed up the player of the year in the SEC last night with a out of this world single handedly carrying a team to a win performance. 
Yeah, and you're going to have those from from players like that who just have that takeover yeah. mentality, and that's what happened in Knoxville last night. Want to switch yeah. gears on you, Brad, as we talk a little baseball. You were out of town. You were at the Jacks College Baseball Classic in the uh, very exciting weather, uh, whatever you want to call it, debacle if you want to, um, in that in that weekend where Auburn beat Iowa, beat Wichita State, fell to Virginia, and then came home and beat Sanford in the midweek and hosting UConn this weekend give us a recap of what's been going on with Auburn baseball well I, you're, you continue to see the depth in the bullpen and you see a really patient uh, lineup I've got to think and I haven't looked at the SEC stats but I've got to think there's nobody close to Auburn in terms of number of walks that they've drawn that's been one of their strengths this year and it leads to extra at bats and runs and, and that kind of thing we all know that um, but but the depth of the bullpen has been on display um, they were able to come from behind to beat a, a team in Iowa that was ranked at the time. Now they went 0 and 3 in Jacksonville, and they're not ranked now. But at the time, they were a ranked team, and and they were playing against the the best pitcher in the Big Ten, the Big Ten preseason pitcher of the year uh, in in Brecht for Iowa Friday. And after a long rain delay and not getting started until nine o'clock at night, mm. um, it, they hung in there like. They they just hung in there, and it wasn't like when they played Paul Skeens last year at LSU, and they didn't get anything going offensively, and it was a three to nothing game. In this game, it was three to two. They were able to manufacture a couple of runs, and it's a one run game. And then when Brecht went out, uh, immediately they started teeing off on the bullpen um, against Virginia, legitimately a top ten team. In Virginia, they went back and forth tooth and nail, and, and had a really positive showing against that team in a neutral site. So I think there's a lot to like from, from this team. I think they're a veteran lineup. I think they have veteran pitching. I think they have a deep bullpen. And, um, you know, when your midweek starters going out and giving you five strong innings uh, regularly, that's a sign of a really deep pitching staff. And that's going to pay dividends as we get to the weekend. They have UConn this weekend. Uh, UConn is a team that is better than people believe it is because of the name. Uh, you think UConn, you think basketball's good. Everything else I just don't know. And so we default to they're probably not good. They are. This is a team that uh, was this close to making the College World Series uh, two years ago when Auburn went. And so uh, they will be a, a regimented, athletic, fast, sound team that uh, will not be intimidated this weekend at Plainsman Park. So this is another really quality opponent for, for baseball this weekend. You can catch the Auburn baseball broadcast this weekend, Friday and Sunday on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Saturday, due to the confliction with uh, basketball in that afternoon, as they will be playing Mississippi State. That game will be on Wings. The baseball game will be a local broadcast on AU100 with potential, right, Brad? Potential of a doubleheader with that nasty weather in town tomorrow. I mean, I think you gotta you got to gear up for that possibility. I, I think they'd like to play tomorrow, and if the rain can get out of here by – Five or six o'clock, we may have to wait a little bit um, and, and play tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I think it's pr- likely, just logically looking at it, you have to think that that's a, a possibility. So we'll see. I'll take the opportunity. Now, for folks who don't know, Jacob is one of the guys uh, behind the scenes there at the station that uh, that helps with the scheduling. And so when baseball runs into rain delays and we say to our affiliates, um, Look, this game's not going to start until two hours or three hours or an hour later than originally planned. Jacob is one of the guys who has to, to hop into action and help make sure that everything stays smooth from an operations standpoint. And, uh, and that is appreciated for sure. 
Well, we appreciate you guys and, and the communication and the quality product that you put out each and every night. And, and one of those things is going to be Tiger Talk tonight. You can hear that on Wings 94.3 as well. Tell the folks who's going to be making an appearance and who they can expect to hear tonight. You know, um, goodness, now that you ask me, I don't have the full rundown Man. in front of me. Cause I'll, be over, I'll be over here with women's basketball. But we know Bruce Pearl is going to be there. We know a couple of other coaches will be there as well. And, um, we know the food and drinks at Baumhauer's will be terrific. So I would say uh, head over there and watch the show at 6 and then get over here to the arena at 7 to, to catch women's basketball against Mississippi State tonight. Tiger Talk, 6 o'clock. Uh, will be great fun either at the restaurant or on the radio. There you go. Tiger Talk Wings 94.3 Women's Basketball on AU100. All sorts of Auburn athletics to tune into on our family radio stations. There's no reason not to listen to something tonight. So uh, find something and uh, and tune in. Flip around if you want to, and uh, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Brad, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Tell everybody where to find you and everything that's going on with the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, I would say just follow uh, AU Sports Network on, on all your social media channels and and uh, we'll keep you up to speed on, you know, rain delay changes and schedule changes and some behind-the-scenes content to just AU Sports Network on all of your socials. So appreciate being on, Jacob War Eagle, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds like a plan. We'll talk to you next week. That is Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. He's with us every Thursday at 2.30 here on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up hour number one, get into hour number two, more college basketball talk. We'd love to get you into the show as well. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We appreciate Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network taking a couple of minutes away from the women's shoot-around. He was at Neville Arena, and we appreciate him stepping aside and talking with us as he does every Thursday for Auburn basketball, Auburn baseball, all sorts of things going on tonight. Softball, there's a softball game tonight, all sorts of things going on around Auburn athletics. So um, we appreciate him. Always great to talk to him, and we'd love to get you in on the show as well. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. And I thought Brad put it in an interesting way when talking about Jalen Williams where he said, look, Auburn and Noah, I mean, you would hope that no team is going to play anybody on their roster that has a significant threat to re-injure themselves coming off of an injury. Now, do I think that's the case 100% of the time at every program with every coach and every player? Unfortunately, probably not. But you trust that a coaching staff and an athletic training staff and the player, you trust that they're going to make the right decision. And so, yeah, I think if Jalen Williams was good to go and there was no legitimate threat to re-injure it, I mean, there's always a threat to be hurt in an athletic event, duh, but if there was no threat to re-injure what he injured a few weeks ago, then yeah, it's fine for him to play. And like Brad said, too, in the conversation that we were having, it was nice to know that if Jalen was going to play, which he obviously did, you could put him in and still get a pretty good chunk of minutes out of him without expecting him to go 30 or 35 minutes. Like, Auburn relies on Jalen Williams, sure, but they just played a game a few nights before without him. 
over in Athens. And they won that game by double digits. And to be honest, really didn't need Jalen Williams in that game, which was nice to say and nice to see and nice to have. So in the game last night, you could ask yourself the question, if Jalen Williams plays five or ten more minutes, he probably gets five or six more points. Is that the difference maker? I mean, maybe if you want to play that game. What if, right? But I'm okay with what he did. I Shoot, I said don't play him at all. And yet he played and, and looked pretty good, and he looked like Jalen. He made some shots, and, and, you know, it helped Auburn stay in the basketball game. So I'm, I'm hoping that moving forward he is good to go. I'm hoping that Auburn can continue to build and get better, get and stay healthy. If they continue doing what they're doing down the stretch and win the games that they're supposed to win, which are the remaining ones, they'll be a top four seed in the SEC tournament. They'll be a top four seed in that tournament in Nashville, and they'll get some days off. They'll get some days off after playing that final game against Georgia. You'll have selection Sun, or excuse me, before that, you'll play that final game against Georgia. And then the SEC tournament will start on Wednesday, and if Auburn does what they're supposed to do, they won't have to play until Friday. And we saw what happened when Auburn got a week off. Look at a lot of the teams in this conference when they got a week off. Auburn could use it. And if they get that, which they should, people should watch out for Auburn in the SEC tournament. And then more importantly, in the NCAA tournament. And it's crazy that we're coming down to it. Tomorrow's March. Isn't that wild? So crazy, man. We'll talk more about Auburn basketball coming up in hour number two. Reminder that Chris Gordy of the Locked on SEC podcast will join us as well. And you can join us before then by calling 334-321-1390. Hour number two coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two of the Thursday edition of On the Line. It's the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. We're underway in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, uh, we started and had a big segment about Auburn basketball from last night. After they uh, went on the road to Tennessee and fell up sh- and fell short, I would say against the against the Vols there in Knoxville. So had good conversation about that. A couple of phone calls there, and then Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joined us in the first hour, as he does every Thursday. 
and got some really good insight and conversation uh, with him about basketball, baseball, Tiger Talk, everything going on at the Auburn Sports Network. Uh, Lots going on tonight and into the weekend. So that was a great conversation. Uh, If you missed any of that, you can go and listen to the podcast. You can find it on our station website at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Here on hour number two, coming up in about 30 minutes or so, we'll have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He's with us every Thursday in the second hour. Excited to talk to him, man. We're getting down to it in the last few games of the SEC regular season in basketball. Baseball's underway. You've got Auburn in spring football practice. You've got uh, the recruiting and transfer portal windows right around the corner man lots going on around the southeastern conference so we'll talk to chris gordy in just about 30 minutes or so until then though phone lines are open i want to hear from you i know you got some thoughts and opinions on the game last night and what happened in knoxville 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me and a lot of what i was saying in the first hour i think a lot of people feel the same way I think a lot of people a lot of Auburn fans I should specify are feeling okay today I mean I just that's just the vibe that I've been getting from from the shows and from you know from from social media and everything it just seems like Auburn fans are kind of okay almost impressed last night with Auburn's performance because I think this is the best way to put it Auburn got everything they wanted except the win. Is that fair to say? Is that a fair statement to you that Auburn did everything we wanted them to do? Auburn got everything they wanted out of that game except the W. And I think that's a good way to put it because Auburn shot the ball pretty well. I mean, not uh, we've seen them shoot it a lot better, sure, but we've also seen them shoot it a lot worse. So got to keep that in mind. No, they didn't take care of the basketball the way we wanted them to they they turned it over quite a bit which was disappointing but they fought they had good effort they were engaged they played a 40 minute game and the only thing you did wrong really was let Dalton Connect beat you that's what happened and I think other than that Auburn got it I think Auburn grew last night I think Auburn got better last night And that's what great teams do in a loss. Championship-type teams and programs get better even in a loss. That's what the Dukes of the world do. That's what UConn does. That's what North Carolina does. They get better even when they get beat. And in this particular instance, yeah, you lose 92-84, But man, you scored 84 points on the road. You scored 84 points in one of the toughest places to play in the country. And if this is on neutral site, Auburn wins this game, I'm telling you. And there's a chance we see this game again in in Nashville, in the SEC tournament. Could be a semifinal or could be a championship game, I don't know. And I'm really curious to see how Tennessee plays against Alabama on Saturday. Because that game's in Tuscaloosa, and it's a big one. It, it, it's the biggest one of probably the season at this point because of what's at stake. The SEC regular season championship's up for grabs. And sure, Auburn still has a 
a slight chance to be a part of it somehow, but I think that focus has got to shift now since you lost last night. I think your focus now is to win out, get some rest, get healthy, and go to Nashville and see what you can do. And I think Auburn's going to do that. I think Auburn does that, and I think they're going to be just fine. You look around what else happened in college basketball last night, because I think that's important, including what Alabama did on the road. You had number five Marquette take care of business. You had number six Arizona go on the road and take care of business. You had number eight Iowa State take care of business. Number 10 Duke win. Number 12 Creighton win. Number 13 Illinois win. You had South Carolina go on the road to Texas A&M and get a nice 70-68 to win. How about Florida taking down Missouri? I don't think we should say taking down. I don't think it's not hard to take down Missouri, I guess. And it was in the swamp. But the other big result from the SEC was Alabama, who yet again not only goes on the road and does it, but just does it in general. Alabama dropped another 100-piece last night. That's, imp- that's insane. And you've got to give credit. I'm about to count them with you on the air right now. One, two, three. All right, let's see. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Alabama has scored over 100 points nine times this year. That also includes a game where they scored 92, 95, 98, 99, like, like 93. Like, what are we doing, man? This team is ridiculously good on 99 again, 98. I mean, they flirted with 105 other times. They're just that good offensively. But unfortunately for them, their defense is just as bad, if not worse. They scored 103 on the road at Ole Miss, but they gave up 88 points to an Ole Miss team that doesn't really score 88 points. And so I ask you this question because it got brought up in the first hour. Out of the top, really the top three of the SEC standings right now, of the top three, you could say top four if you wanted to, but I don't really include South Carolina or Florida. And I guess you got to start saying the top six because of where Auburn dropped to after last night. So let's do that then. Out of the top six of the SEC, Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn, which one of those teams is built best to win it all? Which one of those teams, and it could be multiple in your opinion, which one of those teams is built the best to win a championship? I'm not asking your prediction. I'm not asking who you think is going to win. But who's built the best to go on a run and win it all? Because we mentioned this. Tennessee is not built to win it all. I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're not. They are not built to win a championship this year. Dalton Connect is unbelievable. And he's the SEC Player of the Year, and he secured that last night with a 39-piece. But the, the minute that he goes cold in the, the one game where he doesn't drop 40, Tennessee's going to lose in the tournament. Alabama, the game that they don't drop 100 and they allow the other team to do so is the game they will lose in the NCAA tournament. South Carolina, 
the game that they can't stop somebody on defense and they don't break 60 on offense is the game they will lose in the NCAA tournament. I think Florida is sneaky good. I think Florida is sneaky good and sneaky good built to win in the NCAA tournament. They're physical, they're fast, they can shoot, and they play defense. I put them in the same build as Auburn. And a lot of people say, oh, Auburn's so much better than Florida. Well, Auburn's only one win better than Florida. And we saw what happened when they went head-to-head. Florida's sneaky good. And I think their team build and chemistry and the uh, what's the, the structure of that Florida team, they're going to beat some people in March. I'm telling you right now. And then you've got Kentucky, who, man, their offense is just a little different. Their offense is different than Alabama, the run and gun. They're going to run, they're going to shoot, but Kentucky can score in any way, shape, or fashion. And when they're hot... They're hot. And I think they can play defense enough to win some games. I think they've got the elite guard play to win some games. But you look at their last loss on the road at LSU, and they lost by one point off a crazy ending. And then they just beat Mississippi State by two points on a crazy ending. And where I'm going with this is, I think Kentucky's won the close ones. I think Kentucky has won blowout games. And Kentucky can play offense and defense enough where they're always going to be in it. So as crazy as this sounds, I think the top three teams in the SEC standings, as it is right now on February 29th, Leap Day in 2024, I think the top three teams in the league are not as well built and suited to make a run as the fourth, fifth, and sixth teams in the, in the SEC. And that's just how I feel. That's how I feel based off of watching these teams, after breaking these teams down, and what these teams have showed me in the last couple of weeks. I think Mississippi State's a scary team. Some people still think Ole Miss is hanging around. I don't think so anymore. Not after you lose last night. You had a chance. You had a chance to get the win you needed with a top 15 team in the country on your home floor, and you couldn't do it. The SEC's good. It's not great. It's gotten a lot better. It didn't start out great, but Florida came on strong. South Carolina obviously came out of nowhere. And Kentucky, after tripping up out of the gate, they're good to go now. And Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee have held serve. The SEC's going to be fine. They're going to have seven or eight teams in the tournament. It's just, in my opinion, I think Florida, Kentucky, Auburn are built better than Tennessee, Alabama, and South Carolina. And I could be right, and I could be wrong. And I'm excited to see what happens in the SEC tournament, and I'm excited to see what happens in the NCAA tournament. Let's get to our first break here in hour number one. We'll get to the phone lines. Plus, we also have news on SEC Media Days coming up in July. We got the official dates and official days and schedule of who's going to be there coaching-wise. They're all going to be there, but what days are they making appearances? What day are they going to be talking to the media? We'll talk about that and get to the phone lines when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. 
are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line, man. What's up? Well, I'm disappointed that we lost, but not disappointed in the way we played in some aspects. Okay, that's fair. I think think our turnovers could have been eliminated. Mm -hmm. Our defense could have been a lot better. You know, they were, especially Kinnear, he was on a mission. There's no doubt about it, but I would have liked to have seen uh, if we could have got somebody else to defend him more, I think Baker was—I tell you—he looked like he was getting exhausted because Connect was running him in circles and he was wrapping his hands around his waist and trying to keep up with him. And so, you know, if we got got Berman or KD in there to defend Connect, maybe we would have got a better. Uh, results that uh, instead of 39 points, we've got maybe at least 30 points. If we if we limited him to nine points, we would have won the game by one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, but anyways, um, you know, if we'd have played a perfect game, we'd been undefeated all year long. But we're not going <laughs> to play right. a perfect game. Yeah, you know? that that's right. And you know, when it so comes to defending Connect, I mean, look, I was exhausted just watching the guy. I mean, he's just. Uh, he, he's a menace, man. He's running around. He constantly moves, and and he's so tough to defend off the pick and curl. Right when he comes off the turn, uh, I think Jimmy Dyke said last night, like the NASCAR taking the fourth turn when he comes off of that, and he can catch and shoot so fast and so effective. I mean, it, it's hard for anybody to keep up with that. And so you know, Auburn yeah. was rotating a little bit. Well, yeah, with Chad Baker and KD for a minute, but Tennessee did a really, really good job of of catching Auburn in switches and the few times that Auburn dropped into a zone, man, Connect just burned them. Yeah, that was another thing. I, I wish they would have got out of that zone, especially with like five minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. We, if we went man-to-man, we probably had a better chance. But uh, it seemed like once Williams went up, that un- I, basically I think it was an uncontested layup and missed it, where Pearl went berserk because he thought he was fouled, but on the replay, the guy never fouled him. And uh, when he went down, I said, oh, my Lord, he's out for the game now. Yeah. Yeah, it was a scary he, he moment. Bounced, he, yeah, he bounced back up. But uh, Is that when Bruce got – that's it, when Bruce got teed up, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. He was uh, he was really upset because he kept grabbing his arm and everything like, like the Tennessee guy grabbed yeah. Williams' arm, but he never did. Yeah. He, 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 never, he never fouled him, but, uh, I mean, it was worth a try. Hey, I mean, <laughs> you know, in that situation too, Spectre, I don't hate the – the, the the act of getting a technical if you're Bruce, you know, you always hear, oh, get the team fired up and let them know, okay, coach is invested, I got to refocus type of thing. I didn't hate it in that moment, um, but yeah, some, the officiating is something I haven't talked a lot about today, but my goodness, it was it was something else. It was, it was. I mean, Auburn, like I said, Baker was wrapping Connect up with his arms. Mm-hmm. It, it, it never, they never called it, so, you know, calls went both ways. Right, that's right. And, but uh, anyway... Well, it was a good tournament warm-up. We know what to expect now, and so uh, all we got to do is connect, correct our problems on defense and turnovers, and we'll be we'll be good to go. I like that. I like that a lot. Thanks so much, Spectre. Great to hear from you. See you. That is Spectre joining us on the phone lines. You can be a part of it for the next few minutes as well, 334-321-1390. And I've claimed on this show before, and I will again, that, look, I don't, 
I don't go after the officiating. I don't say, oh, Auburn lost because of poor officiating or whatever. That's just not my it's not my my go-to, not my mojo type of thing. But man, the officiating just on the game, it was horrible. I mean, they called every single touch foul for about 30 minutes of the game. I mean, if you looked at somebody wrong, you got called for the foul. If you thought about going up and contesting for the shot, you got called for the foul. Both teams in the second half were in the bonus with 12 minutes to play. What does that tell you? 14 fouls were called in eight minutes. Seriously? So then that's how it got started. Bruce got teched up, and like I told Spectre, I don't mind that. But then the last, what, eight minutes of the game, they swallowed their whistle. They threw it out of the building. They put it in the parking lot, let it get run over by the team bus. And they didn't call anything, hardly anything. They called one here and there, but they went from one extreme to the other. And that's not right. That's not how officiating is supposed to work. It got frustrating on both sides. I'm not saying Auburn got robbed from officiating. I'm saying the game took 30 minutes longer than it was supposed to because they couldn't, the officials could not take themselves out of it. They couldn't take themselves out of the situation. They had to be a part of it. And that's what's frustrating to me. That is what gets me fired up about officiating with humans because. You're not supposed to go from one end to the other. You're supposed to stay down the middle. Call it like it's supposed to be called. Basketball's a physical game. Yeah, there's going to be some bumps. There's going to be some hip checks. There's going to be some contact. If it affects the play, yeah, call the foul. But just because he touched him on the back as he followed him on a screen, that's not a foul. But then when somebody goes up for a shot and gets and gets swatted off the backboard... Yeah, call the foul. It was wild, man. Something that, uh, again, I haven't talked a whole lot about today, but Spectre reminded me of it, and and I wanted to get that in. It, it just it got frustrating to watch, man. Those are just they take the fun out of the game to sound childish, I guess. I mean, it's you take the fun out of it when there's no flow, no rhythm, and both teams were in the bonus with 12 plus minutes to go in the game. That's not right. It's not how basketball's played. It's not how basketball's supposed to be called. And I do think it affected the game. I think it affected both teams. I don't think it impacted one more than the other. They could just, it made a great game good. I'll say it that way. Spectre, I appreciate the call, man. Always great to hear from you. I want to switch gears on you just for a second before we get to our bottom of the hour break and we have Chris Gordy from the Locked.SEC podcast. The SEC announced today the appearance schedule for SEC Media Days coming up in 2024 here this season, this year, in Dallas. Very excited for that. And uh, that's going to be, man, that's going to be such a, a fun trip. July 15th through the 18th down in Dallas, Texas. And uh, it's the first time that it's been in Dallas. Of course, used to be in, in, in Hoover in Birmingham for years and years and years. Then they started moving it around a little bit, went to, uh, where'd they go? Went to Atlanta and then was in Nashville last year. Man, did we have a good time in Nashville. But this year in Dallas, here is the appearance schedule for the 16 
SEC coaches. No longer 14, now we have 16. And this is fun because now each and every day has four coaches. No longer is it three coaches, four coaches, four coaches, three coaches. It's now four, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. On Monday, it's LSU's Brian Kelly, Ole Miss's Lane Kiffin, South Carolina's Shane Beamer, and Vanderbilt's Clark Lee. On Tuesday, July 16th, you have Georgia's Kirby Smart, Missouri's Elijah, uh, um, Eli Drinkwitz, and Oklahoma's Brent Venables, and Tennessee's Josh Heupel. On Wednesday, you have Alabama's Kalen DeBoer, you have Florida's Billy Napier, Mississippi State's Jeff Lebby, and Texas' Steve Sarkeesian. That's a good day. And Thursday, July 18th, you have Arkansas' Sam Pittman, you have Auburn's Hugh Freeze, Kentucky Mark Stoops, and Texas A&M Mike Elko. So some new names that will be at SEC Media Days. Mike Elko from A&M. You have Sark from Texas because of Texas being new to SEC Media Days. Jeff Levy from Mississippi State. Kalen DeBoer from Alabama. Going to be a weird scene, I won't lie. It'll be a weird scene not having uh, Nick Saban walking around the halls at SEC Media Days. Brent Venables from Oklahoma. And I think that's it. Yeah, that is. That's it. So excited for that, man. That That's going to be... It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's crazy that it's in July. It's, what, middle of July, and this is almost March. That'll be here before you know it. And I tell you that because spring practice for Auburn is underway. It started on Tuesday, and Hugh Freeze had his opening spring press conference today, and some of the quotes that he had, we may play this interview for you tomorrow on the show, but he was asked about the biggest difference from last year's start to spring and he said the difference this year is accountability he said the little things the team was way too casual about our approach last season not something you want to hear but something you'd like to hear that's better this year right talked about the open quarterback competition he said quote the hardest thing with four guys is you want to get looks at it as getting quality reps every throw will be charted and the QBs who grade out the best will continue in the competition. So, sounds like there is a legit competition for Auburn at the quarterback spot, and they're going to do it based off of numbers, not just the eye test. I think you'd use both, and I'm sure they will. But they're going to grade them and advance people through the process that way. Says Peyton Thorne is his job to lose, but he reiterated that the competition is wide open. And I think that's fair. I don't think that's new information. I think everybody knew. This was Peyton Thorne's job. And somebody's got to go in there and take it from him if they want it. So, interesting there. Says last season was frustrating. I wasn't able to coach the team to be consistent with every practice and every game. And we should have won a few more games last year, is what Hugh Free said in his press conference today. We'll have more of that for you tomorrow on the show. But coming up, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us. We'll get caught up on everything going on around the SEC. That'll be next here on ESPN 1067. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. We had Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network back in hour number one. And our second guest on Thursday has been with me for, man, a long, long time. It is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, your daily go-to spot for all things Southeastern Conference. Chris, happy Thursday, man. Great to hear from you. Yeah, same to you, man. Good to be on with you. Well, there's so much going on. I mean, it's it's crossover season to a T. You've got spring practices getting underway. We've got dates for SEC media days and appearances for SEC media days. And, you know, I, I want to start right there because – We've got the days. It's in Dallas. I know you're celebrating that with it being a lot closer to you than it has been uh, in the past, Chris. You've got new two new coaches and four full days now at SEC Media Days coming up in July. Yeah, it's going to be a busy week, man. We've been talking, obviously, they um, obviously with you know us carrying the uh, the Astros. You know, we'll, we'll uh, be up there in Arlington covering the uh, the All Star game, and yeah. you know, it's most likely it's funny we were talking, you know. Would your first question be for Shane Beamer? Uh, how do you think Jordan Alvarez is going to do in the home run derby tonight? I mean, it's, just, it's going to be a weird kind of crossover of two different worlds uh, that don't usually collide. But, I mean, I know a lot of people that, you know, go to SEC media days are all sports fans. So, you know, they're intrigued by it. And, um, you know, there was some discussion of, uh, hey, can you get us some uh, credentials to go, you know, go from SEC media days and go over to the all-star game and check that out. So, um, no, it'll be fun with both those events going on at the same time. But, yeah, it's going to be a madhouse of traffic. The only saving grace, from what I understand, is, you know, the the hotel that's going to host the media days is in downtown Dallas, whereas, obviously, all the all-star festivities will be over in Arlington. And for nobody, uh, if, if you're not familiar with Dallas, I mean, Fort Worth, Arlington, they're like their own world from Dallas. I mean, it's it's a good 30-minute drive over there, so it's, they're pretty separated. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, about yeah, about thirty minutes or so, I'd say from from Dallas to Arlington, and it's crazy because aren't they having some? Isn't there some sort of a race going on that weekend too? Chris, you still there? Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. Isn't there? Uh, I was saying, isn't there some kind of a race or something like a, a an Indy race or a NASCAR race or something happening that weekend? No, that's – well, there may be one that weekend, but the, the one that I know everybody's been kind of concerned about is there's there's a big one in uh, Austin the weekend of Georgia-Texas. That's right. And, that's right. That's yeah, right. And that's the one that everybody's kind of been freaking out about because gotcha. it's like apparently apparently if you haven't already gotten your um, – you know your your hotel for 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 Georgia at, at Texas. Your your SOL because it's Austin is just going to be completely bombarded by people that weekend. Got you. Okay, I got my dates mixed up. Then I knew I forgot. I knew there was one that people were all up in arms about, but it's yeah the Georgia Texas game, which that's a nightmare in itself. But yeah, SEC Media Days in Dallas this year, and of course, as I said, Oklahoma Brent Venables will be there, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian will be there with Texas, and then it's going to be weird because Nick Saban won't be there. It'll be Kalen DeBoer from Alabama. Yeah, that, that I tweeted that out earlier. Like, there was just a few things that, like, when I saw the notes, just they just look weird to me. One, it was seeing, yeah, SEC media days in Dallas, Texas. Just feels weird. Uh, and, and what I love, too, is that the Big 12 has basically, basically been pushed out of Dallas. Like, every year for years, Big 12 media days has been in Dallas or Frisco or, you know, somewhere in that, in that Dallas area. And they're taking their product out to Las Vegas this year. 
which makes no sense because the Big 12 doesn't even have, I mean, they have, they're adding Arizona, right? So, I mean, I guess a little bit towards the West, but, you know, they don't have any teams in, in, in Vegas. Right. So, uh, it's like the SEC is invading and pushing, pushing them out of the state of Texas. But, yeah, it, it, that, that took me aback. Then it was interesting to see Steve Sarkeesian and Brent Venable's names there on the guest list for SEC Media Days. That's, that's new. And then, uh, of course, the big one was seeing Alabama head coach Kalen DeBoer. It just looks so weird for the first time in over 15 years we're not seeing Nick Saban's name on, on the list. Yeah, SEC Media Days in Dallas, Monday, July 15th through Thursday, July 18th. Looking forward to uh, to being there in Dallas come in July. And look, spring practices, not all teams are in action yet, but Auburn is in spring practice. They got going on Tuesday, and I know you've seen some of the, the pictures and videos and, and talking with people here in Auburn, man. A uh, lot of buzz going on right now on the planes for Auburn and Hugh Freeze getting going in spring practice. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's so funny, you know. I, I saw those pictures of Camp Coleman, and just he looks like a man amongst boys. And and the funny thing is, he's the boy, you know. It's, he's the young man <laughs> yeah. of, of that group. But uh, yeah, we on our uh, locked on SEC show today, we had our buddy Brian Smith on, who's our recruiting insider, and uh, he got out there to a, pra- a couple practices, and he said, yeah, it's, it's Cam Cam Coleman is is set up to be a difference maker, and. You know, that's what I'm hoping will be the storyline for, for Peyton Thorne. I mean, uh, you know, most people I talk to when I'm when I'm critical of Peyton Thorne last year, you know, the first thing a lot of Auburn fans want to jump to is, well, well who, do he throw, who could he throw to? I mean, he had no weapon. I mean, Rivaldo Fairweather was his, was his, you know, go-to weapon. He didn't have anybody. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm willing to hear that argument, but, hey, man, we got you Cam Coleman. We got you all these other pieces. Like, we better see it this year because if not, Man, Hugh Freeze is in trouble. I mean, he puts himself in a tough spot. Like, like if Auburn finishes, say they do what Billy Napier and Shane Beamer did this year, and they take a step backward and they go five and seven, they don't even make a bowl game. I think Auburn fans are going to be up in arms, going, "Dude, this is two years in, and and we're not getting any better." And and you, you know, attach yourself to the hip of Peyton Thorne, basically banking two years of football on him. Um, there's going to be a lot of angry Auburn fans. I hope that's not the case. I hope Peyton Thorne. The light comes on. He looks better having some, you know, some, some better weapons around him. Uh, of course, there's going to be growing pains anytime you mention a freshman wide receiver. But again, you just look at Coleman; it just looks like a kid that will be an instant difference maker. Well, according to Hugh Freeze today, he said it's Peyton Thorne's job to lose, but there will be a true open battle at the quarterback spot. I mean, look, I know it's the end of February, Chris, but like, is there a real expectation for Auburn to not start Peyton Thorne? Yeah, I think that's that's a little silly the the phrasing there. I mean, like, who's who's going to push him? Like, you didn't bring in anybody else. Like, that's that's what kills me. Is like, had you had you went out and brought a guy in that that had been a starter in another spot and had you know a bunch of starts under his belt. Like, like for instance, look at look at LSU. I mean, they they feel pretty confident in uh, you know in Garrett Nussmeyer, but they still went out and brought in uh, was it AJ Swan from Vanderbilt? We started a, a bunch of games these last two years in the SEC. At least that's a kid who's got starting experience in the conference. And so, yeah, I just I, – I, that that's the type of guy, at least if I'm Auburn, I, like what does it hurt to bring a kid like that in that, that has a bunch of starts? But they didn't do that, and, you know, they're, they're going to roll with the guys they have on the roster, and we'll see if if um, if any of those guys push them. But I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, it, and, and again, maybe there's the thinking outside the box. There could be a guy post-spring that they decide to add, but I just – I don't know why they didn't at least open the door for another guy to come in. 
Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On SEC. He's with us every Thursday at 3.30. On the basketball side of things, Chris, we're getting down to it in the men's game where uh, you had Auburn fall to Tennessee last night, Alabama continuing to put up 100 pieces, and a showdown in Tuscaloosa between the Vols and the Crimson Tide on Saturday coming up. Yeah, and, and look, Tennessee played great last night. Dalton Connect is, is the real deal. I mean, he absolutely should be, you know, he'll be one, one of those finalists for SEC Player of the Year, and, and he may win it. Um, but I, I look at Tennessee's schedule, and God, it's just brutal. You know, from, you know, I was looking yesterday, like their last four games, yeah, you get Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, and Kentucky. I mean, basically the four best teams in the conference not named Tennessee. So uh, I just think it's going to be really tough for them to pull this out. Now, look, if they go in, uh, if they go in Alabama and pull that one out this Saturday, then yeah, I, th- I think Tennessee's in a great spot to try to pull this out. But if Alabama wins, I think after that, they get what Florida and Arkansas. I just, I, I think it's, it'll be Alabama's conference to win. And uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to say that because, uh, you know, about a week or so ago, it was looking like this thing was wide open from Auburn to South Carolina. And now it's looking like it's going to be Alabama's to, to lose because, uh, I just think Tennessee's just got a, a, a way tougher stretch here. I opened this question up to my to my listeners earlier today, Chris. Of the top six teams currently in the SEC, Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn, which one of those teams, it can be one, it can be numerous, which one of them are built the best to win a national championship right now? Man, it, it's... It's so tough to answer that question because March is all about getting hot at the right time, right? I mean, we, we see it every year. Like, uh, you know, somebody asked me about Houston earlier today. and You know, Houston is as strong defensively as they've always been, and they're going to give teams fits, and, and you know, they're going to win some te- some games in the tournament. But w- when it comes down to it, a close game, you've got to have somebody who can make shots. And, you know, Houston's got that in a guy named Jamal Shedd. Uh, who do I trust to make that big shot from around around these different teams? Well, with Tennessee, yeah, it would be Dalton Connect. With uh, you know, with with Auburn, it would be you know Broom, and and maybe you know maybe they'll get Jalen back here. Uh, you know, by the time you get tournament time, um, you know, I, who can I trust to hit those big shots? I, I think they're all built that way. It's just man, like everybody feels a little. I wouldn't say schizophrenic, but like Kentucky, they, that team, I can't trust them for anything because. That is a team built with the talent they have, the way Rob Dillingham's playing. And, like, that Kentucky team, I can make a case for them to get to a Final Four. I can make a case for them to be one and done. I mean, it's just – it's it's really tough. And it really comes down to who gets the better draw, um, who gets the toughest draws in the tournament and all that. But I'll just – I'll put it this way. I, I think I think Auburn, Alabama, and and Tennessee all have great chances to at least get to the Sweet 16. Uh, we'll see where they end up getting seated and all that. But um, I, I don't know about South Carolina. I feel like that's a little bit of fool's gold. Um, you know, a great story. They've been an awesome team. They've gutted out some, some nice wins here recently. But I don't, I don't think South Carolina is built to go on a run. I do think at least Tennessee with the defense and then the offensive connect. Uh, Auburn's got to get back to playing some good hard-nosed defense, which I think they can. Um, but again, like, and then maybe we may look back at Auburn and say, man, that that those last four games of the season were brutal. Um, but you know what? At least they were battle tested. At least you know the Auburn took some tough losses, but that got them battle tested and ready for the tournament. So um, those are my three teams. Like, if I had to, you know, bank on some some teams odds wise to to make it to a Sweet Sixteen, 
yeah, I think I would take a chance on Auburn, Alabama, and Tennessee. Okay, okay. I can look. Uh, I can get behind that, and I think with those, you know, with Alabama's offense, Tennessee's Dalton Connect, and Auburn's just stability. I think that's a fair, a fair bet. Look, I, I like that Florida team. I really do. I think they're built to make a run. They can hit shots. They can defend, and, and they're going to hang around in just about every game. And Kentucky, like you said, they're the biggest wild card I think I've ever seen. So who knows what they're going to do? And and I want to ask you this before we let you go. SEC as of a couple of days ago, currently had seven teams in the tournament according to bracketology outside of that top six that we just talked about who is who's the other one or does anybody else get in uh from the southeastern conference no i said i said yesterday i think it's six i think the you know, the, the sec was getting the benefit of the doubt there for a while but some of these some of these teams that have been taking losses as of late i think Ole miss you know might be working them, themselves out i think uh I think uh, A&M has obviously gone on a skid, and, and I think they've fallen out of this. And uh, Mississippi State, there was some thought that maybe they could get on a heater. No. Uh, LSU had some nice wins over Kentucky and Miss- uh, Kentucky and South Carolina, but uh, I heard Jerry Palm the other day said, no, even if LSU wins out, they're not getting in unless you know they, they, get, they get hot in the SEC tournament and get to like the conference title game. Maybe they get in uh, on the bubble. But, yeah, I, I think – I think all the goodwill of the SEC all season long and saying, man, we might get eight teams in, I think that's out the window. I, I think it goes the other way. I think they get six. Mm, yeah, and it's unfortunate. Those are six good teams, but they've been, a. I mean, in bracketology, they've been eight and nine really all season long, and then the middle to bottom has just tailed out, a, a tailspin really at the end of this thing. So uh, we'll see how it figures out and, and finishes out with SEC basketball. Quickly, one more thing. I need a take on SEC baseball so far. What, what have you seen? I know it's still early. We've still got a long way to go, but what have you seen on baseball so far? Yeah, it's it's been a mixed bag. Um, you know, I, I got to see Auburn a little bit. Was that Iowa they beat last weekend? They beat Iowa and Wichita State yep. and lost to Virginia. Yep. yep. And lost to Virginia, yeah. That's that's some great competition to, to get early in the season. And so that's those are those games that you'll look back on later in the year and go, we, you know, what did we learn about ourselves in that in that series early in the year, I think the pitching is 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 good enough. I, I think they're they're decent. Um, I think Auburn will be you know kind of that middle of the pack, maybe maybe to the upper echelon if it, you know if everything falls right. I think Arkansas looks as good as advertised. I think LSU looks as good as advertised. Tennessee, I'm a little Vanderbilt already took three losses already. Yeah. Like, and I know they were close, and, and you don't want to freak out over early season losses, but. Vanderbilt already with three losses is a little crazy. And then the bottom of the West, the, the two previous national, reigning national champions before LSU, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, both already with a bunch of losses and sitting there at the bottom of the SEC West already. It's, it's crazy for those two schools because there's a lot of pressure on those two coaches. Yeah, I love it, man. So much more baseball to be played. We get closer and closer to SEC play, and, and you know that. That's where that's where the, the bread is butter. That's where the money's made in this conference, man, when SEC play rolls around for baseball. Chris Gordy, host of Locked on SEC, the daily SEC podcast. Tell the people where they can find it and what's coming up on Locked on SEC. Yeah, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast. Great episode up today with our buddy Brian Smith talking about recruiting. Uh, we talked about the four-star corner that, that Auburn picked up this week and, uh, you know, just kind of a landscape of what's going to happen with recruiting and are we really going to add a third national signing day? I think it's silly, but uh, Stop it. we kicked all that around today on Locked on SEC. Check that out. Oh, God. Quit bringing that up, man. They're going to watch your show and eventually get run with it because <laughs> they think it's a good idea and it's not. Um, so, yeah, everybody go check out Locked on SEC. Chris, as always, man, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week.
All right, sounds good, man. Thanks. That's Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC. Go check it out, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. He does a wonderful job. 30 minutes a day with Chris Gordy. What else could you ask for from Locked On SEC? We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I appreciate you all being with me all show long, whether you're here first hour, second hour, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, I don't care. I just appreciate you being here and thank you so much for being with me every single day from 2 to 4 here on ESPN 106.7. Also, shout out and thank you to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network and Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, both of our wonderful guests on the show today. Brad Law was in hour number one, and Chris Gordy was in hour number two. So thank you to, um, thank you to them. We appreciate them and everybody listening and everybody calling. It's been a great show today. If you missed any of it, you can catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com. That's our station website. Or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we will have a free-for-all Friday. Yes, free-for-all Friday with Uncle T-Bone. He'll be back in the studio. We'll be talking more basketball talking some football, maybe have Hugh Freeze's press conference and a preview in the games coming up this weekend at college basketball. So uh, crazy that tomorrow, wow, tomorrow is already Friday. How about that? That'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. So be sure you're here from 2 to 4 tomorrow. And I want to give you some programming updates. Um, coming up tonight on Wings 94.3, you can find Tiger Talk. That's Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Tiger Talk tonight from Baumhauer, so check that out. AU 100, 100.3 FM. You can find Auburn women's basketball as they host Mississippi State needing a win to get into the tournament. That's what's on the line tonight for them. So tune in uh, to that. And then something that is not on our station, but it is a part of the uh, the Auburn Sports Network, which we are, of course, in partner with. Uh, you can tune in on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com because uh, yours truly, I will be on the call for Auburn University softball tonight. So very excited for that. Uh, excited to get over to Jane B. Moorefield. I'm heading there immediately. When I get off the air right here, I'm heading over uh, to start and get prepped and ready to go for that game. So I'm excited for that Auburn University softball hosting Georgia State. Had a game last night against UAB, get postponed, canceled. Um, and so now they picked up this game before they have the Jane B. Moore in Invitational this weekend. So tune into that tonight. Weagle 91.1, AU 100, that's 100.3, and Wings 94.3. I mean, as I told Brad and told you, there's no reason not to be tuned into something tonight on our family of stations and our good friends over at Weagle with the Auburn Sports Network. So that's all coming up tonight. And as I said, tomorrow um, we will have. Uncle T-Bone back in the studio, free-for-all Friday, and hey, I just saw Bill Cameron walk in the building, so there is a drive today. How about that? He's out, he's back. Uh, The drive will be on the air today, and tomorrow we'll wrap up the week and get into the weekend. That's what's going to be coming up here on ESPN 106.7. Appreciate you all being with me. Tune in to something we got going on tonight. I don't care what it is. Just find something to listen to, all right? Do me a favor and do that. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 1067. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.